Well, good morning. Welcome to our service. And uh, for the, all of those that are online also, we, we're thinking of you and look forward to a, a reunion of all of us together. Uh, but today we are uh, some here and many at home. And, uh, but we're glad to have a Sunday where we can worship the Lord. Brian, those songs were just what the doctor ordered. Really great, amen? amen. Thank you to Brian for, for doing that. And uh, thank you for being here. Um, if you have a Bible with you, please turn to the Psalms, Psalm 142. Psalm 142. And I believe that's up behind me if you don't have a Bible or you'd like to read as we go along from the screen. But uh, Psalm 142. And I'm gonna read through this Psalm and then uh, have a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Psalm 142, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit goes faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord, I say, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I might praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Father, um, thank you for uh, the prayers that have been given up this morning to you on behalf of our congregation. Thank you for the worship that has connected us with you in, I think, a very profound way. Sometimes when we're at our weakest is when worship means the most. And those words that we sang today pull us into your grace and your sufficiency. I'm so grateful to be able to sing those this morning. And thank you, Jesus, for being our anchor and that we're connected to you and nothing can take that away. And Lord God, we just um, ask your blessing on your holy word today, Lord. These wonderful people who are listening online and who are here in our worship area, Lord, they want your word. They're, 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 they're not doing other things. They're here to hear you. And so, Lord, uh, bless us with something that strikes us in the deepest part of our spirit today. We want to go away from, your, from worshiping you and from your word encased in your sufficiency and in your promises and in your strength. And we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Amen. Well, as you may have guessed by now, I'm not gonna be in the book of Hebrews today. Um, I just feel uh, that we need to take a break from the book of Hebrews today and uh, to address a top, the topic that I think is gonna help us all today, and I know it's been helping me as I've been reading it this week, uh, considering all the challenges uh, and the challenging days that we're facing right now. Personally, we're all facing challenges. Corporately, as a church, we're facing challenges. And nationally, we're facing challenges. And I think we need a word from the Lord on that. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah, thank you for the permission to take a left turn now and again and to uh, teach what I think God 
wants us to hear. And what I'm talking about today, and you may have gathered it from what I read from the song, is how to deal, I'm talking about the feeling powerless in the midst of our circumstances. Feeling powerless in the midst of our circumstances. Um, and the truth is, I mean, I, th- I think if we were being honest, that we all feel powerless about something almost all of the time. Would you agree with me? I mean, aren't the times really br- brief and blessed, but brief when everything is running smoothly? I mean, it, 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 let's face it, smoothly running times are blessed, but they're brief in this life, and we're constantly facing situations or circumstances that we feel like we don't have any control over. And when we face circumstances that we don't feel like we have any control over, we feel powerless. If we're not careful, we can, we can sink into a deep sense of powerlessness, and when that happens, we get drained. We get drained mentally, we get drained emotionally, we get drained spiritually, and it can even go into the physical makeup of our lives. We can be drained uh, uh, physically. But I'm gonna ask, put forth a question to you this morning and to the, all of those of you at home today online. Um, what are you feeling powerless about this morning? What are you feeling powerless about this morning? What's threatening you? I would put it that way. What's making you feel out of control? Now, there are a lot of options here, right? I mean, it could be your children, Okay. Uh, might have something to do with your children, or if you have them, grandchildren, you know. Maybe you feel powerless about your future. Personally, you're facing some unknowns. You don't know what's down the line. Or maybe you're, you feel powerless about, powerless about the future of our country, the trajectory that we're on. If I took a show of hands, I think I'd get a lot of hands this morning on that one. Um, Maybe you feel powerless about your health or your work situation or, or how to handle a difficult person in your life, okay, which is what we're gonna talk about today as well as all areas of powerlessness. Maybe you feel powerless about the safety or the salvation of a loved one, someone that you really care about but doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you are you're concerned about it, and you feel powerless to do anything about it. You spoke in your mind, and now you're just in the waiting room. And it's frustrating, it's, it's tough. Maybe you feel powerless about COVID. How many variants are we gonna have to face? Uh, what's the end result here? When will things get back to normal, and you feel powerless about COVID? Maybe you feel powerless about um, who our next pastor is going to be. When's he coming? Who is he going to be? Will he be as handsome as Pastor Mitch? You know, a lot of these, these things you feel powerless about. But seriously, you know, you wonder when is that going to happen? And we long to see who he is in his family and to begin that point of ministry. Okay. Well, regardless of the area, most of us feel powerless about some circumstances or situations in our lives. And if you don't, you will soon. You will. That's life on planet Earth. Now, the background of Psalm 142 is about feeling powerless and what to do about it. And more specifically, it has to do 
about feeling powerless about a person. It's King Saul. David is feeling powerless about King Saul. Okay? And uh, if you know the story, and most of you do, uh, King Saul was jealous of David and wanted to kill him, wanted to destroy him, because he didn't want David to take David's rightful place as the king. And he chased David all over creation, made life miserable for him, and David, many times through the Psalms, felt powerless about um, Saul. And very often, would you not, you know, you need to raise a hand or nothing, but that it's a person that makes us feel powerless? It's a human individual? And for whatever reason, I'll let you figure that out in your own mind right now, but it's that person. And you just, they they won't change, or they won't budge, or they're not, there's no movement, or they're aggressive towards you, or whatever it is, it it makes you feel powerless. And that's what David was feeling, but it can be expanded into the other areas that we talked about. Well, the Bible is very, very clear that God does not want us to feel powerless. I don't care whether it's the COVID, or the economy, or the trajectory of our nation morally and spiritually, or any other reason, God does not want us to feel powerless. In fact, famous verse, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. God doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live in, with, a, with power and with a sound mind, mentally healthy, emotionally healthy. I think to God, a powerless Christian is actually an oxymoron. You know, according to scripture. So as we go through Psalm 142 this morning, this is what we're gonna do. The title of the message is, When You Feel Powerless, which is pretty much all the time about something, small or large, but when you feel powerless, we're gonna look at five responses that God wants us to exercise when we feel powerless in our lives. And this is my desire for you guys this morning. That when you leave today, you've got something to apply to the times that we're living in right now. So can I get an amen from you today? That's what we're here for. God's feeding us. He knew back eternity ago that Psalm 142 was gonna be preached to those of you here and those of you online. And we need to just consume what he wants to give us. Number one, the first response that God wants us to exercise when we feel powerless about some area of our lives is sincere prayer. Sincere prayer. You notice I didn't say prayer, but sincere prayer. Look at verse one and two again, Psalm 142. David says, I cry aloud to the Lord, I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. Verse two, I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. Now, obviously, prayer is the central focus here. You can't get around that. And that sounds so simple, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I feel powerless about a person, place, or thing. And so I pray. Sounds simple, but not so easy. It's just hard. I don't know if it's just the way we are, but it's hard to grip ourselves into a state of the kind of prayer that's being talked about here, okay? Sometimes 
the first thing we do when something or someone makes us feel powerless is not what David just did, but to do something else. And what, am I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, you can go one of two extremes. You can try to apply self-sufficiency, self-effort, self-determination to the situation that's making you powerless. Try to figure it all out. Okay? Or you can go the opposite extreme. You can just bury yourself in worry and in anxiety and sink into self-pity and doubt and discouragement. Both of those responses are the wrong response. The only right thing to do for us as believers when we feel powerless about our circumstances is to follow David's example and immediately go into sincere prayer. And again, why? Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do this? This is a law, what I'm about to tell you this morning. This is a law. If we don't, if we don't, anxiety, worry, or burnout will take us over. Do you agree with me? It, it just will. It's a law. When we take our eyes off of God and onto our own problems and fears, that's what happens. Worry, anxiety, fear, I should throw fear in there, or uh, burnout, okay? And I want us to look at how David prayed when he felt powerless about a situation. And I want you to notice what it isn't. It's not a prayer like, um, what can I use for a rabbit's foot? Like a rabbit's foot, or uh, a drive-through prayer. See, a lot of signs now when you go to McDonald's, drive-through only. No, it's not a drive-through prayer, okay? It, it's, it's not uh, an email prayer. It's sincere prayer. And look at how he says, he says, verse one, I cry aloud to the Lord. Talk about being open emotionally. I cry and I cry aloud to the Lord. And when I pray, most of the time when I pray, I pray to my, in, my, in my own head, but I cry in my own head. I cry aloud. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? I cry aloud. It's not coming to God with just a packaged prayer. It's crying aloud to God. What's, making, what's threatening you and I? What's making us feel powerless? There's probably more than one thing right now. You cry aloud to God. And he says in the second half of verse one, I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. Reckless abandon. You know what this reminds me of? Blind Bartimaeus. Do you remember blind Bartimaeus? He's walking through, or Jesus is walking through his town and blind Bartimaeus is, is, is standing there and he hears Jesus is walking through. And what does blind Bartimaeus do? Does he write a little note on a piece of paper and says, would you pass this on to Jesus? Let him know I'm back here and blind and want to be healed. No, he starts screaming his lungs out. Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the cross saying, shut up. Leave Jesus alone. He, he says, no. Lord, and he says, blah. I'm, I'm Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what did, what did Bartimaeus know that God wants us to know? He knew the value of refusing to stay silent. The value of just crying out aloud to the Lord, lifting our voice to the Lord for mercy. You see, one of the things that Bartimaeus knew that, that sometimes we don't know is that, and I think we sang about this morning or uh, Oh, Melissa prayed about it, I can't remember, but the, the, the word mercy of God came up. 
God is a merciful God. He wants us to go to him with reckless abandon. He's waiting there saying, I want to exercise my mercy towards you. And so, so come to me with sincere prayer. Be radical. Be radical. Appeal to my kindness and love and mercy for your situation. And then in verse three, uh, David says one more thing about sincere prayer. I pour out my complaint or my trouble before him. I pour it out. It's a very graphic picture of maybe of a sacrifice. Some of the uh, sacrifices were liquid and he's pouring out the sacrifice of, of prayer or trouble before the Lord. And one thing you could say about David is he's very frank with God about his needs and his pressures and his adversities. He pours them out before the Lord. And I just want to ask you this morning, does this describe me or you when we're facing what we're facing right now? Because it's a real threatening time in the world and we all face threats. We always have. We always will. Okay? One of my favorite pictures of this is King Hezekiah in the 36th and 7th chapters of Isaiah. He's being surrounded by his enemies. His destruction is imminent and he's really in over his head. You ever been in over your head? Yeah, I have. We're all in and over our heads right now in something. And so he goes to the Lord. It says in Isaiah 36, 14, that it says, Hezekiah went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. I love it. It takes time to spread anything, doesn't it? I don't care if it's a peanut butter sandwich. It takes time to spread that peanut butter out, especially as much as I put on a peanut butter sandwich. You know? But it takes time. If you want to spread fertilizer on your lawn, it takes time to spread that fertilizer. Anything that's spread out takes time. And it says, Hezekiah, spread it out before the Lord. What that means is it's not, prayer can't be a rush job. And I'm telling you, it, it, as busy as we are, it's hard to take time to do this. But time to come cry out aloud and appeal to God's mercy and to pour out our complaints and troubles, it does take a measure of time. Okay, let's not just fool ourselves, okay? But when we feel powerless about something, we should offer the sincere kind of prayer because it plugs us into the source of all power. This, you're gonna hear this about five or six times before I'm done here, but, but sincere prayer in our sense and state of powerlessness, it's like a, I know this is a simple example, it's like a power cord that goes from unplugged to plugged. When we all plug things in all the time. We plug in a tool or, a, or maybe a, a, a mixer at home if you're mixing something up or a radio or there's a million things that we plug in, but we can, it, it's useless without being plugged in. And sincere prayer plugs us in to an infinite source of, of power. It's the only way we can connect with that. Now I'll just put this as a question, we'll go to number two here. Is there something you should be praying about instead of worrying about? And God's waiting for you to pray like David did. Because there's freedom in it. Okay, let's go to number two. Our second response when we feel powerless is to, is not just sincere prayer, to redouble our efforts to go to God in prayer. But our second response when we feel powerless in these times that we live in today, okay, which are threatening, 
is to remember, and this is, this is a beautiful thing, that God has a precise knowledge of our situation. If that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. It encourages me. Let's look at verse um, three. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who what, everybody? You know my way. You know my way. Okay? Nothing will keep us more sane than this. Mentally, emotionally. Nothing keeps us more sane to know that God has a precise knowledge of our situation. Personally, and as a church. He knew about it a million years ago, and he knows precisely about it right now. Okay? We never have to ask whether God knows the details of our situation. Amen. We never have to ask that. But boy, does that ever, it's one of the first things that flies out of our mind. We've got to group ourselves and pull it back into the core of our mind and our heart that God knows the precise details of our situation. He has a precise knowledge of it. Okay, we never have to ask whether God knows something or not because he knows everything. And uh, in fact, I always like to say this because it's one of my favorite things to say. God is incapable of learning anything. You know why? He already knows everything. God can't learn, and he can't learn anything more about you and me and our families and our loved ones and our church. He can't learn anything about that because he already knows it. Amen. 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 We never have to ask whether he knows that. He's omniscient. And we forget that he knows that, but he does. In fact, to know this is crucial for our mental and emotional and spiritual health, and it delivers us from feeling powerless regardless of our situation and circumstances. To know that God knows everything, he has a precise knowledge of every detail of what we're going through right now, and to put the cherry on top, he is in sovereign control of our circumstances. And you know, when you get that, and I get that, through the Holy Spirit, it's like a switch is turned on, and we can take a very, uh, what do I wanna say, a very um, legitimate exhale, and calm hits us in a way that nothing else does. I mean, you look what David says here. My spirit, my innermost being, grows faint, is about to give up and is asking, what's the use, within me deep inside. But the answer is, you know my way. That was such a relief to David. David knew that he didn't have to feel powerless about his situation with Saul because God already knew every detail from beginning to end of the situation. He tells us elsewhere in the Psalm, Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word on my, is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. I guess what he's trying to say is God knows every detail. And the same is true, that what was true for David is true for us. 
And it's our prescription for not feeling worried and powerless about our situation. I like the way Pastor Greg Laurie puts it. He says, listen closely to this for your own well-being. Jesus is aware of what's going on in his church. This is not taking God by surprise. And he's aware of what's going on with you as an individual as well. Wherever you are, he knows what you're facing and he knows what you're going through. And our job is not to work out all the circumstances, but to get close to the, the God who knows the details of our circumstances and trust in him. Matthew 6, 8 says it, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, listen to this, okay? God just doesn't know by observation. He's not sitting back in his heavenly lazy boy going, oh, I can see what's going on down there. Ooh, boy, look at that. He doesn't know just by observation. He knows with personal interest. He's personally interested in me and you and your circumstances and of Cedar Home Baptist Church. Personally interested. He has a personal interest in our situation and he's willing to work on our behalf. And this is what kind of really blessed me this week. He not only has a, a personal interest in us personally and what's making us feel powerless in our needs and of our church, but it's an interest that's even greater than our own. Doesn't that make you just wanna say, amen, pass the potatoes, right? That's something I say once every two or three months just because I like saying it. But doesn't that make you wanna say amen? He doesn't just have a, an, a, an interest, it's, it's greater than our own interest. Both for personal issues and our body, he's with us. We're gonna get through it. Better than we started. We just have to stay faithful. And God bless you for being faithful here and at home. In Luke chapter 12, it's clear. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Personal interest, thank goodness. Okay, number three, there are five. Sincere prayer deals with powerlessness. Knowing that God has precise, a precise knowledge of our circumstances and is in sovereign control deals with our sense of powerlessness. And number three, our response should, when we feel powerless should be to continue to repeat our problem to God over and over again. And you say, aren't you being rep repetitive, redundant about this? You already said we need to pray. But I wanna go deeper. Look at verse three and four. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Okay, in the original Hebrew language, that means nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'll go eat worms. Not really, it's not in the original Hebrew, but that's kind of the idea. And again, you might be thinking, well, didn't you just say we ought to be praying? But I'm saying we ought to keep praying. Not one and done, but keep praying, okay? 
Keep praying. God wants us to repeat our sense of being powerless regarding our situation over and over again, not for his sake to know what's making us feel powerless, but for whose sake? But for our sake, okay? For our sake. Why? Two reasons, number one. Our problem in crises is that, and when we feel powerless, is that even after we've prayed, we tend to pick it back up and worry about it all most immediately. I'm, well, you could hear a pin drop after I said that. Am I the only one that picks it back up? Thank you, one, loud, one little no, but I think we all tend to revisit our stress points and our threats and our powerlessness almost immediately after we pray so that God says, continue, so David just keeps on praying. He says, in the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. He's, he's returning to God to unburden himself about the problem. His problem is a person. And I think that's so relevant because so often what makes us feel powerless is a person or people. Specifically Saul here and his men. They're making life miserable for David. So David takes it up again and then again and then again. And David does it because the two are connected that if we continue to repeat our prayers to God when we feel powerless, we'll avoid the danger of sinking into the muck of loneliness and discouragement and despair and depression. And it's hard to stay depressed and discouraged and lonely when you're constantly plugged in to God through prayer. Now, you, you can do it, but it's, it's harder to do it. Okay, and David was sinking into loneliness. Look at verse four. Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. And I think that obviously someone was concerned for him. But see how that's closed in over him? And he says, no one is concerned for me. Nobody, not anybody, no one, not one person. That's not true. But he felt it was true. Because that's why what powerlessness does to us it skewers our view of reality, and we feel all alone. And so he says, no one is concerned, I feel abandoned, I feel alone, I have no refuge, no one's there to encourage me, to help me feel safe, no one cares for my life. Look, that's not true, but it feels true. And so that's why God wants us to keep praying to him, keep unburdening, because he knows how devastating loneliness is. But when we repeat our prayers back to God, we're reminding us, we're reminded that he is there. Again, prayer is not just for us or for God. It's, it's more for us. I love, who, who doesn't love four, Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be anxious about anything. That is a command. Whew. I just, I go, whew, when I think about it. That's a command. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so when we feel threatened today in any area, whether it's what's going on in our world, internationally, nationally with our country, locally with 
threats upon our health or our own personal circumstances, we need to practice sincere prayer. And the, the best thing that you might ha- do today is to go home and just cut out some time to do that. And then know and remember that our circumstances uh, are known by God specifically and he's sovereign and in control of our lives and our church and has a plan and a purpose and he'll work it out and it'll work on our behalf if we trust him. And then continue to repeat that. Don't one and done, no. Keep doing this until those things are resolved by the Lord. And then fourth, um, the fourth response to feeling powerless is to specifically make God our refuge and portion. Verse five and six. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. The bottom line is that when we feel powerless about someone or something, the easy thing to do is turn to something or some, something else than God for relief. I was, I don't know where I heard this, but I did hear it. That alcoholism has skyrocketed since the beginning of COVID. And I think other things have skyrocketed too. Behaviors that are unhealthy. Why? Because people need to medicate. They don't have anything else. And I'm just taking one thing that I heard and I think there are other things too. Um, unhealthy behaviors. Okay, why? Because they're going to someone or something else other than the Lord. Okay, but David says in verse five, I cry out to the Lord, you are my refuge. Refuge here is a word that means deliverance or protection from some kind of threat. In other words, whatever is making us feel powerless, David is claiming by faith to God to deliver him from this threat. And this is where prayer engages with, you ready? Faith. Faith. We've gone from prayer, sincere prayer, to continued prayer, and now faith. I have to believe that God is in his time and in his way and in his shape and in his form and for his glory and our blessing will deal with the threat in my life, amen? Now it'll be according to his time, which is almost never our time, but it'll be his time. Through the Holy Spirit, the healing, helpful, awesome power of the Holy Spirit, he'll deliver us from our threat. And David also calls God not just his refuge, but his portion. There are several cultural Old Testament meanings for his portion. It could have meant a tract of land, the spoils of war, or the part of the sacrifice reserved for the priest. But portion here means that which satisfies. All right. These are challenges. I'm, I've, got a, I've got one finger pointing out to you and four coming back at me. I just want you to know that. But what this means here, God, be my portion, means I'm gonna do my best to make God 
the thing, and I don't mean God's a thing, you know what I mean, that God is the person, the thing, that satisfies me the most. Not escapes. I'm not gonna name anything like computers or TV or anything like that, but not those, did I name that? I'm sorry, it was an accident. Um, not, not escape, not make an escape to get out of my pressure, but, but God to be my satisfaction, my portion, my portion. We often think of food as our portion. God's gonna be what I consume to satisfy me. Okay, when I feel threatened, uncertain, and powerless, whether it's COVID or anything else, turn to God as the one that satisfies our needs through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then finally, just to put a closing uh, page on this thing, point on this thing, when we feel powerless, sincere prayer, and understanding that God knows our circumstances and is in control, and what we do is we take our out of control and we put it under God's control by faith, and then great things start to happen, and mainly peace of mind, and then we we continue to repeat our issues to God, and then we make him our refuge and our portion, the thing that satisfies us the most, and finally, the final response, it's, this is really cool because then we dig into the, the historical background of what he's, he's writing from a historical context here. This is not just pulled out of thin air and thrown at us. And, and the final response given to us here is when we feel powerless is to trust in the perfect timing and goodness of God to come through for us. Amen. To trust. Brothers and sisters, a lot of what we're going through is God's trust-building activity in our lives. And that's hard to see, but, but, but he wants to strengthen our faith and trust muscle, doesn't he? And that doesn't come easy. But we can get stronger through all this together as a church and as an individual, amen? If we just love each other and are patient with each other and trust God, the other end can be better. And it says here that we need to trust in the perfect timing and goodness of God to come through for us. Let's look at verses six and seven. Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who are pursuing me, for they are too strong for me. Set, my, set me free from my prison, that I might praise your name. And this is the good part, that then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. And I'll share with you the historical context of that here just in just a moment as we close up. David's honest open prayer to God regarding his feelings of powerlessness and uncertainty continues in these two verses. And he mentions the word prison. I think that conjures up an image. Prison is a metaphor for an overwhelming feeling of powerlessness. Prison restricts our movement. But David says, I'm gonna praise you Upon deliverance, man, you talk about faith. I'm gonna praise you upon deliverance. And that's what God has been waiting to hear from David. It doesn't say how long David did this, but it does say he praised God in faith, okay? Faith and trust for God's deliverance, for his blessing in God's glory, in God's glory. 
God wants us to trust that he, not us, has a precise time of deliverance. And he wants us to trust him and praise him for that in faith. Now, this is what happens. In his, in his uh, perfect timing, God comes through for David here. In his perfect timing, God comes through for David in his timing. Not David's, but his timing. He gave David strength, he gave David deliverance, and he'll do that for us in his perfect timing. And as we're in the midst of the storm, not just getting out. The very situation we feel powerless about, God's gonna help us learn how to be strengthened in the midst of that. But verse seven is key here. Look again at verse seven. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Now, what's the historical context? David was hiding in a cave when he wrote this. He's in a cave, okay? And God solves David's problem of feeling powerlessness in his cave by supplying friends, family, and supporters to join him in the cave to encourage him and form the nucleus of the Israelite kingdom that would eventually be formed and have victory. Now, let me read you his cave statement here. 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam, Adullam, however you say that. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them and they were there with him about 400 men. Think about, man, just how great David must have felt when God just brought 400 of his friends and supporters to help him take the kingdom from Saul. And you know, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I think in whatever God way God chooses to do, he'll do the same for us. Amen. In his time, in his way, he will give us deliverance. As we pray and trust in him as our refuge and portion, God's goodness and knowledge of our situation is our guarantee that regardless of the areas or difficult set of circumstances, stances that we mentioned in the introduction, those things that are making us feel powerless, he will, in his time and way, bring the solution, and while we're in it, he'll empower us through it. So, what, just to conclude today, what, what, what do you feel powerless about? I've got a few things. You've got a few things. David's secret is not a secret. Okay, it's right there in print by the Holy Spirit. We just need to apply it. Our first response should be open, honest, frank, sincere prayer. Remember that God has a precise knowledge and sovereign control over our situation. It's not a surprise to him. Continue to repeat our problem to God. Make him our refuge and portion, our satisfaction, and trust that he has perfect timing for us. Perfect timing, okay? And you think, well, could he do the same thing for me that he did for David in my situation? Well, obviously the answer is yes, but the real question is, am I doing what David did in his situation? That's the real question. Well, God says, if you do that, I'll, I'll do what I did for David. Both of you put your pants on one leg at a time. You're no different. I love you both. And I just wanna say also this as, as a final statement here. There's no power for the powerless 
without Jesus Christ. There's just not. And I don't know, here or online, you could be in a long ways away and just have caught this sermon online. Hopefully it it was clear and without any glitches. We're, We're trying, thank goodness, for our guys that are doing that. But there's no power without Jesus. Jesus has to come to live within you. And the only way for that to happen is for you to invite him in. Repent of your sin. Turn to Christ as the one who died on the cross for your sins. Receive him as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins. And this is what happens. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You say, oh, I feel so powerless. I don't know what to do. Everything's closing in on me. If you're not a Christian, ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, and you'll have all the power you need to get through these times, and then you'll be on your way to heaven to boot. Let's pray together. Father God, I can't help but think that most all of us here today needed a word like this. I, I, I probably tops on the list. I need this, this passage. And I thank you that you provide scriptures that tell us what to do. You give us instructions and you give us promises. And I pray, Lord God, as we continue to face uncertain times, deep needs, fiery trials, confusing situations, overwhelming odds, um, tough difficulties. Lord God, that we would do what David did and watch you give us peace, contentment, direction, and in your time, resolution. And may it be all to your glory. We praise you that you have promised to do this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.